Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins... I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. When I was young, I used to be one of the world's biggest chickens, really. I come from Arizona, and spooky lore is something that comes with the territory. When I was around 11, we had moved to Kern County. The house we lived in was used by a mortuary for wakes and to keep bodies prior to burying, and when we first moved in the place, it really creeped me out. It made a lot of noise, which was unusual for a home that wasn't really that old. Anyway, I was a big reader of Fate magazine when I was young, and that was fuel for the fire for my overactive imagination. But I never really saw anything in that house, I think. I only really heard noises, like people walking across the wooden floors. There were nights when I couldn't sleep because of it as well. And to make matters worse, my mum would always hold seances with all of my older sister's friends and everyone would get really scared because of them. Now one night, there was a carnival in town. I had gone there with my friend Pete, but my sister went with her friend and my mum had taken my younger sister, who was still in a stroller. Pete and I left to go home at some point though and Pete walked me to my house. We said our goodbyes and then he left. I would never go directly into the house though because I knew where the light switch was and I would reach in with my arm and turn on the living room and the dining room lights before entering the house every time. Once I did this, those two rooms checked out okay so I went into the kitchen and then down the hallway to my mum's room. Mum wasn't in her room so I went to my sister Kathy's room. When I went there too, I could see from the hall light that she was in bed and under the covers. But weirdly, she was breathing really heavily 
like in a really deep sleep or something. I didn't want to turn on her lights and wake her up though, so I tiptoed in and checked the locks on her windows. They were locked and so I made my way to my room and, as usual, I took off my clothes and jumped into bed. I didn't turn on my room lights since I had the hall lights and the front room lights on and I felt safe because Kathy was home and I started falling asleep. Now, as I was almost asleep, I heard my mum come in with my younger sister. She went directly into the kitchen and I could hear her getting my sister's bottles ready. She walked into my room and asked if Kathy was home and I said yes, so she went back into the kitchen. I have to point out too that if you even so much as fart in this house, the floors creak so no one could get up and walk around without it being heard. So I was just dozing off when my mum came in and man was she angry. She asked me, where's Kathy? I told her that she was in bed and my mum got more mad. She said to me, Kathy isn't in bed. Are you lying for Kathy so she can stay out late? I said, Mum, Kathy is in bed. When I came home, I went into her room and she was asleep under the covers and had the covers pulled over her head. I could hear her breathing really heavily. Mum got more mad and said, Show me. I walked into my sister's room. My mum had the light on already in there. I looked at the bed and when I did, it was untouched. Like no one had even sat on it. I ran over to the windows to check the locks and they were locked and because they were locked from the inside, there's no way that she could have gotten out and relocked the windows like that. The mum said, well, where is she? I just pointed at the bed horrified and said, you guys, you're playing a joke on me, aren't you? To which my mum responded, I'll show you a joke. And that went directly to my butt cheeks. During this period, Kathy got home and was read the riot act. But I stopped my mum and I told her and Kathy, look, there was something sleeping in Kathy's bed. That's why I thought it was her and that's why I told you that it was her. I could see the bed moving up and down from the breathing even. There was something in her bed and it wasn't her since she only just walked in and... I don't know. I don't want to sleep here tonight, okay? Ghost or not... I had to stay in my room that night. Kathy opted for the couch and my mum still wasn't buying my story. But whatever was in that room in that bed, I can tell you that I know for sure it was breathing. It had the appearance of a human body shape and it's taken about five years off of my life, I think. When my friend and I met the woman that we now refer to as the Banshee, it was about 10 at night. We were walking back from a milk tea place and we were maybe at mile 5 of a 6 mile total round trip, almost home. We were walking on a long stretch of sidewalk next to a wide road that is busy during the day, but almost empty at night. Also, before I get to this next part, here's a little bit of background. My hiking buddy and I sometimes go for long walks through town at night, when we can't get out to the trails during the day that is. It's dark but our routes go through a fairly safe blend of residential and shopping areas and stuff like that. Usually we head to some sort of late night restaurant or food truck. 
where we walk, stop for a drink and a bit of food, and then we head back. We also wear glowing vests, battery-powered, and reflective stuff to make sure traffic sees us because we've had some too close encounters with distracted drivers before. We've also had a few encounters with, well, let's just call them strange people. Anyway, she didn't start making strange noises at first. It was a long stretch of straight sidewalk and we had seen her coming for a long time before she started that. No one else was out walking along the road that hour. There were plenty of streetlights and she would sort of appear under the streetlight and then disappear in some shadow of bushes and trees and reappear under the lights again. We were obviously glowing in our vests in addition to the streetlights, so she had to have seen us coming too. I figured that she worked at one of the shops or the restaurants nearby and was getting done with closing up. I figured that she was just trying to get home, just like we were, I suppose. That is, until she started making these, what I can only describe as just random noises. The first sounds were like uh, an odd hacking noise, like she was attempting to clear her throat as noisily as possible. But this was just a warm-up. The sound changed to something like a, a cross between a crow cawing and a small dog's bark. Retelling the sound is a little bit hard, but that's the closest thing that I can think of. Anyway, we kept walking towards her, watching and listening, thinking perhaps she has a disability or some other issue. She looked decently dressed and she walked steadily and deliberately, not like someone on drugs. If not for her noises too, she seemed completely normal. But then she made these loud but low-pitched groaning sounds. It had us briefly making zombie movie references, joking a bit, but we speculated that if she was maybe talking to someone on her earbuds or making an attempt at singing something. But it got weirder as she added some higher-pitched screechy sounds, something like an angry cockatoo might make. At this point, she's less than two blocks away and she's rotating through these bizarre sounds with short pauses of silence between them. To be honest though, she looked like someone's cute little grandma. She didn't look anything like something you would expect to be making these sounds. She's wearing an old-fashioned thick skirt, a cardigan and clunky-looking shoes, carrying a single cloth shopping bag. Her hair is a short curly old lady perm and honestly, she just looks adorable she sounds insane. She's getting closer too. Her bizarre noises are getting more unsettling and I realize that I can't actually see what she's clutching in her other hand, the one that doesn't have a shopping bag. She looks harmless but the sounds are just too weird. My buddy looked at me and asked, time to cross, echoing my own thoughts. We didn't want a confrontation with this woman. I nodded but just before we step out onto the road, the lady seemed to have the same idea. She suddenly veered off the sidewalk and went into the road, making a steady diagonal line towards the other side. There was no traffic on the road at this point, so I wasn't really worried. I relaxed a bit, continuing on. I figured that she was avoiding us, just like we were about to avoid her. But just as we started to pass her, she suddenly screamed and just rushed at us from the middle of the road, her mouth was wide open as she charged at us, just shrieking. We stepped quickly apart and her abrupt rush took her straight between us, just shriek wailing that horrible sound. It sounded like it would hurt her throat to be honest. Banshee-like is the only word that I have for it. 
We were several feet apart, both braced for her to come back and do something, but instead she just veered again and went down the sidewalk the way that she had originally been going. As she walked away, she kept looking back at us and keeping up short bursts of the shrieking banshee noises, stopping to take breaths. As she got further away from us, she started core barking at us again and we just stood there for a while, silently watching until she was a good long ways off down the sidewalk with her very strange crow barks fading into the distance. To this day, I still have no idea what was wrong with that lady. Did our lights somehow trigger an episode? I, I don't know, but I hope she's okay. She seemed to know where she was going, so we didn't follow her or do much about it. But man, that was a freaky night, that's for sure. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So this story starts when I was in middle school. I met this guy who, his name was Chase. And Chase was the new kid in my 7th grade English class. He looked like a, a typical skater sort of BMX type kid long floppy Justin Bieber style hair and wore shirts and hats that had the monster logo on them. Insert Kyle meme reference. But for the first week or so, we didn't really talk or interact with each other. At lunch, I would always see him just eating alone in the cafeteria. I would just watch him sometimes. His mannerisms and things that he would do were just intriguing to me for some reason. One day, though, I was coming out of the bathroom when I see him harassing some 6th grade girl and trying to get her to make out with him. In my stupid, naive 7th grader brain, it didn't really register to me that what he was doing was really wrong. I actually thought that he was cool for doing it. I know, stupid. But he looked over at me, smiled, and then walked away after the girl walked back into her classroom. The next day in my English class was when we first began interacting with each other too. I had to do a book report on Of Mice and Men. When he saw me reading the book, he gave me his notes and told me to just copy his work, but change it up a bit so as to not make it obvious that I'd copied him. He said that the reading was really boring and that he just skimmed through the plot of the book and movie on Wikipedia instead of actually reading the book. I thanked him and was genuinely thankful as I too didn't like reading and I actually love that book now, but... Anyway, that's another story. Eventually, though, we would start hanging out outside of class and would have lunch together outside in the quad. He told me that he was interested in riding BMX bikes and motocross, so my earlier assessment of him was right, I suppose. 
I wasn't really into that stuff, so I just nodded my head and tried to act like I was genuinely interested in what he was saying. The whole time he'd talk, I'd just admire him for some reason, but I'm not gay or anything for the record. Never have been attracted to dudes, so it was really weird being so drawn to him the way that I was, I suppose. Anyway, we started hanging out after school. He would come over my house every day, and at this point he had completely won my mother over. He would always compliment her on the way that she had the house decorated. He would compliment her cooking and would talk to her about the show Teen Mum 2, which my mum really liked to watch, and apparently so did Chase. Over time, I started going over to his house too. I wasn't as outgoing as he was, so I didn't immediately hit it off with his family, but they were nice people and I really liked them. Chase would always argue with his mum though, and one time she told him and I to go outside and hang out because she didn't want us playing Grand Theft Auto all day. This seemed to really tick Chase off too, and he turned around and hurled the controller at her, cracking her right in the forehead. I was obviously sent home, and as I was walking down the driveway, I could hear him screaming at his mother and calling her all kinds of horrible things that I won't even repeat here. The next day at school, he walked up to me at my locker and apologized for what happened at his house. I asked him if his mum was alright after being hit with the controller, and he said that she ended up going to the ER to get stitches. He then said, too bad I had to do that just to get her to shut up. As more and more time progressed, I had started spending more and more time at his house. His attitude towards me started to change too. He would ridicule me for the clothes that I would wear. I always wore black band t-shirts, and he would call me names, like, every day. One night, when I was spending the night at his house, he said that he wanted to play a game. The game was just called Hide and Seek Tag in the Dark, and apparently, he was it. So the first round, we turn off all the lights in the house, and I hide while he counted. Keep in mind, this was his idea, not mine. I thought that it was weird that we were even playing this, given our ages at the time, Nevertheless, I find a hiding spot in the crawl space under the staircase and I wait patiently. The house was pitch black and completely dead silent and let me tell you that the atmosphere in the house was something straight out of a horror movie. I felt extremely uneasy and the hairs on my arms started to stand up. I really couldn't hear a thing in that house and all of a sudden out of nowhere I hear this creepy laugh coming from outside the crawl space door. The door was cracked open and I could see Chase peeking in. He says in a low whisper, you're screwed now, before yanking the door open and opening fire. A barrage of BBS are flying at me at once and I didn't know that they were BBS in the moment so I literally thought that I was being shot with actual bullets. The popping sound resembled an actual gun too and he had emptied an entire magazine into me and I was in so much pain that I just couldn't even move. Once the pain subsided, I just left though without saying another word to him. At school, he would stare at me and follow me to all my classes. He would try to call me and text me, but I would always ignore him. Eventually, he left me alone and a few years went by before I heard about him again through a mutual friend. And supposedly, he had gone on the run after shooting his girlfriend in the head because she wouldn't let him have the last cigarette. He hasn't been seen or heard from since, and to this day his whereabouts are actually unknown. 
His ex-girlfriend survived and thankfully made a full recovery as well. But I just find it so unsettling to think about how I was best friends with such a, a psychotic person. This experience is from November of 2018. I'd been working at this facility for two years at this time. For context, I'll try to describe what our floors look like in the jail. There's an elevator bay with a big metal door that is controlled by motor and chain. This is what we call main or main slider, and all traffic comes into the floor from this door. You go down a small passage and then you're in a space that is sort of the shape of a square with a smaller square room inside called the cube which is surrounded by seven pods for inmates and each pod has 12 cells and can fit two inmates. The cube is used for controlling doors and basically is an office space where paperwork can be filled out and where you can sit and watch the pods during your shift. I am assigned night shift on a floor of non-violent inmates, Genpop. Typical inmate that you'd find on this floor would be, I suppose, drug users, dealers, petty theft, and the occasional drunkard kind of deal. And I was working this floor by myself, and the night was starting off as usual as I show up. I lock down all the pods for the night, conduct my head count, and go back to the cube. An hour later, I conduct my hourly block check. Everybody's asleep or just chilling, so I return to the cube. And not the second that I finish sitting down... I hear the sound of someone kicking a cell door. I get up, I start flashing my light through the pods and eventually narrow it down to B-pod 6 cell. One inmate is frantic, screaming that his cellmate is coughing up blood and is shaking. I open the door, remove the inmate and see that his cellmate is foaming from his mouth and is performing what is known as agonal breathing. Essentially, we are listening to him take his final breaths. Long story short... Medical gets called and he eventually is taken to the hospital, but he doesn't make it to the hospital and he's declared dead on route. And I come to find out the inmate had swallowed some drugs before he was booked and one of the packages ruptured while he was in the jail. It was unfortunate, yes, but it's not the first time it's happened and surely won't be the last and so I file my paperwork and continue about life as normal. As another thing for context too, we have cameras in the individual cell blocks and the cells and we went back and watched the footage of the incident to confirm there wasn't any kind of assault or general roughhousing that would have caused the package to rupture. The next night too, I'm assigned the same floor, similar process comes and goes, I show up, lock down the pods, conduct count, stuff like that. An hour goes by and I do my standard check and I go back to the cube and again as I go to sit I hear three loud bangs coming from what sounds like B-Pod again. I go in and I flash my light, but everyone is sleeping or chilling. I return to the cube. Three more bangs this time. I refer to my touchscreen to see if the kicking is tripping the lock sensor in the door or something. Sure enough, B-Pod 6 cell is showing that it's being messed with. But the cell was still locked down due to the events of the night before, so that meant no inmate should have been in that cell. I go to the cell, open it, and double check to make sure nothing and no one is in that cell. And sure enough, nobody's in it. 
My next thought is that the lock is malfunctioning or something, so I exit the cell and walk to the cube to call for maintenance. And as I'm on the phone, the door slams shut, which sends me back out to look. And at this point, I'm just at a loss for words and have no clue what to do. All the inmates of the pod are also trying to figure out what's going on in their pod. I'm trying to answer their questions, but genuinely I have no clue what to tell them. It eventually goes quiet, maintenance arrives, I have them check the lock, and there's nothing in terms of it being a mechanical malfunction. After that night, I asked my watch supervisor to be placed on a different floor, which at the time, we had just got a new batch of rookies in, so he gave me a choice of the floors. I've been on my new floor for a little over two years now, and I still have things happen that I can't explain such as audible footsteps from around the cube, the occasional tapping on the glass of the door to the cube itself. But nothing as drastic as that night in 2018, which I will never forget. About 20 years ago, when I was in my early 20s, I worked as a window coverings installer in Sacramento, California. One day, I was sent with a large load of metal mini-blinds to an active veterans hospital off Highway 50. I met the lead maintenance man who thankfully loaned me a rolling cart to help make transporting my materials and tools a much easier chore. He then led me into the building through a maze of corridors and up a large service elevator. As we exited the elevator, I was pleasantly greeted with a completely empty hospital wing. I was really happy to see that I had the entire floor to myself. No patients, staff, or furniture to constrain my mission. I could work quickly without obstruction or distraction. The maintenance man explained how they just completed some seismic retrofits while pointing to some newly constructed drywall columns that concealed the brunt of their work. He said that they took that opportunity to make cosmetic repairs, install new blinds, and give the place a much-needed paint job. He then showed me a typical patient room and said that there should be one blind for every window on the floor. He told me that he would leave me to it and to give him a call if I needed anything, or when I was ready to leave. The last thing that he said in a sort of concerned fatherly voice before entering the elevator was, Are you sure you're going to be alright up here? And I responded, Yeah man, absolutely, in my best and confident young man's voice. With a departing handshake, he entered the elevator cab, but for some reason his question and his tone oddly hung with me as the doors closed and the whirl of the old elevator faded into a deafening silence. It was at that moment that I was truly able to take in my surroundings. With the elevator to my back, I scanned the hospital wing in a clockwise direction and I was standing in the middle of a long and rectangular room. Light and airy patient rooms filled the perimeter of the open room to my left. As I scanned right, the light quickly faded to an inky, opaque blackness that disappeared into a dark U-shaped corridor, which, after a short distance, made a sharp right and another sharp right to end up back where I started. Despite the new paint, too, the place looked like it exited a time machine circa 1950 or something with those pea-green ceramic walls and matching asbestos vinyl floor tiles. It was at that moment that I realized that this place was really creepy. But enough of that. I had a job to do and I got right to work. 
First things first, I walked the entire perimeter to get a quick survey of where things were located, popping my head into each room as I passed. As I got to the dark hallway, my sudden bravery waned a bit. Due to the lack of light, I presume there must not have been any windows to address, but I pushed on nevertheless to be thorough. As the dark engulfed me, it felt like all of a sudden someone plugged me into an electrical socket. I had never before or since felt the energy that surged my body and immediately picked up my pace. Along both sides of the corridor were black rooms, and after peeking in one, I abandoned my efforts for the absolute certainty that I was about to come face to face with something that I didn't want to see. I began to full on run the rest of the distance until I was back in the main hall. Luckily, there was only one room within the dark corridor that had a blind that I needed to install. The entire time that I was back there, it felt like I had a thousand spectators and kept my eyes fixated on the doorway until I was done. The rest of my time in that wing, I was nervously on edge. The farther from the dark corridor I got to, the slightly more at ease I became. However, I kept hearing distinct footsteps, bangs, knocks, a bucket being kicked and slid across the floor, muffled voices and even a phantom intercom that sounded like an old movie. With 100% certainty, all these noises originated around me on that wing, despite there being no one present. And with each noise, I would pop my head out of the main hall or say, Hello? In what I'm sure was an uneasy voice. Now, about halfway through the install, I finally stopped reacting until I heard, Hello? And froze. It was the maintenance man and... Man, was I super stoked to see him. He asked how things were going and if anything eventful had happened. And not wanting to sound kooky, I just sort of sheepishly brought up some of the noises I was hearing. And he abruptly said, no way, this place is haunted. I wouldn't work up here alone. He explained to me that the hospital had been an active war hospital dating back to the 1940s. And there had been thousands of deaths in the operating rooms that lined that dark corridor. He also mentioned that an electrician walked out earlier that week after something ran up behind him and apparently growled at him. We joked around a bit to ease the tension and then he left me alone once again. And the rest of the day was surprisingly uneventful to be honest. But things seemed to have calmed down and I felt more calm. I do remember though never feeling more relieved to leave a place behind but also being completely exhausted that afternoon and crashing out to sleep early that evening. And to this day, this remains the strangest experience of my life to date. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.